It is truly a blessing to see some folks here tonight. Thank you so much for making your way here. I trust you've had a good week. I trust that, um, that you have enjoyed not having to turn your sprinkler system on for these last few days. Saved a little bit of money that way. Praise the Lord. Well, this evening we're going to be in Isaiah 46. Week by week we're seeing these chapters in Isaiah pass away. Before you know it, we're going to be through with the book. Hard to believe. We're going to be looking once again at the idolatry of uh, that God hates so much. And this evening, found in Babylon, and that um, in its initial look, you say, "Well, why in the world should we get so concerned about idolatry? After all, I don't have any idols. There's no figurines that I bow down and worship to in my home." And that may hopefully be the case in your home. But we are so prone to idolatry, to putting things before God. He said, I want you to love me with all your heart, all your soul, all your might. Well, like I share with you so many times, I'm praying that God will help me love him more. I want to love God more, but I find myself loving other things as well. And so to keep God first and foremost, premier in every aspect of my heart and life is my goal. But occasionally I have to confess to Him and to myself that I have put something before Him. And so this evening is just a good reminder for us how God feels about idolatry. Let me read for you the first verse, then I'll pray. Isaiah 46, beginning in verse 1. Bell boweth down, Nebo stoopeth. Their idols were upon the beasts and upon the cattle. Your carriages were heavy laden. They are a burden to the weary beast. If you're taking notes, number one is contrast between Babylon's gods and God. And then letter A is Babylon's gods. And I'll give you number one after I pray. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you for your love, your goodness, your blessing, your faithfulness, and thank you for being our God. Lord, I don't believe our folks this evening are tempted to kneel down in front of any kind of an image and to conscientiously worship that image. But Lord, how quick we are to place other things before you in our lives. And so, Lord, this evening, would you work again in us? And, Lord, use this Old Testament example, Lord, of, of this heathen nation and how you felt about idolatry to remind us that you demand to be first place in our hearts and lives. Lord, thank you for this time. Meet with us, I pray. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, number one, under Babylon's gods, as Babylon's gods bow as Babylon is overthrown. The two primary gods the Babylonians are mentioned here, Bel and Nebo. Bel was the Babylonian version of Baal, or Baal. What's being described is the overthrow of Babylon eventually by the Persians, as Babylon's gods are now bowing down and stooping before them. 
Their idols were apparently being broken apart and carried on the back of pack animals into Persia as they're being deported into Persia. Verse number two, they stoop, they bow down together, they could not deliver the burden, but themselves are gone into captivity. Number two, Babylon's gods would be helplessly carried into captivity. Here I think that God is mocking these false gods. Basically saying they couldn't even help their country in its time of attack. The powerful land of Babylon, religiously ruled by images made by man, would be defeated and carried helplessly into bondage. And their gods didn't help them at all. Letter B is God. Number one, God, in contrast, would continue to carry His people. Verse 3 and 4, Hearken unto me, O house of Jacob, and all the remnant of the house of Israel, which are born by me from the belly, which are carried from the womb, and even to your old age I am He, and even to whorehairs will I carry you. I have made, and I will bear, even I will carry, and will deliver you. He writes, God calls out to His people in contrast how unlike the gods of Babylon, which would be destroyed and carried away, God would continue to carry His people from the womb through their old age, lifelong. God is faithful, and He promised to care for them throughout their lives. Psalm 71, 6, By thee have I been holden up from the womb. Thou art he that took me out of my mother's bowels. My praise shall be continually of thee. In Psalm 71, verse 18, Now also when I am old and gray-headed, <clears throat> O God, forsake me not, until I have shown thy strength unto this generation, and thy power to every one that is to come. Verse 5, To whom will ye liken me, and make me equal, and compare me, that we may be like? Verse 2, or number 2, God cannot be formed into an image made by man's hands. The folly of idolatry is condemned here. God warned His people that if they were to make an image of Him, though they had never seen Him, it would still be a lifeless, helpless product of the work of man's hands. God cannot be likened or replicated in any image, or stooped down so low as to pose for an artist to sculpt him. God cannot be compared to anyone or anything. Psalm 89, verse 6, For who in the heaven can be compared unto the Lord? Who among the sons of the mighty can be likened unto the Lord? Number two, God's position on idols. Verse 6, They lavish gold out of the bag and weigh silver in the balance and hire a goldsmith. And he maketh it a god, and they fall down, yea, they worship. They bear him upon the shoulder. They carry him and set him in his place. And he standeth from his place, shall he not remove. Yea, one shall cry unto him, Yet can he not answer, nor save him out of his trouble. Letter A, men pay to have images made to be worshipped. And we don't pay for God. 
God further describes the sheer foolishness of idolatry. Men pay large sums to craftsmen to take their gold and silver and to make images for them that they would bring and sit on their shelves and kneel down and worship. These lifeless formations of metal become set on a shelf at a home, and those who have commissioned such works kneel down before them. No matter how much faith they have in the images, they just stand there, exactly where they were positioned. They can't hear, and they can't respond. They have no power to deliver in times of trouble. Isaiah 44, 17, And the residue, therefore, he maketh a god, even his graven image. He falleth down unto it, and worshipeth it, and prayeth unto it, and saith, Deliver me, for thou art my God. Verse 8, Remember this, and show yourselves men. Bring it again to mind, O ye transgressors. Letter B, God reminded His people to stay clear of idols. God had watched His people chase after other gods so many times before. He reminded them of His folly and challenged them to not forget His commandments to have no other gods before Him. In Psalms 115, verse 8 and 9, They that make them are like unto them, so is every one that trusteth in them. O Israel, trust thou in the Lord. He is their help and their shield. Verse 9, Remember the former things of old, for I am God, and there is none else. I am God, and there is none like me. Number one, God told His people to think back to what He had done in the past. He told His people to remember the former things of old. This is pretty open-ended, but no matter where their minds go, they will see Jehovah God powerfully working in contrast to the petrified gods of the heathen. God created the worlds. He parted the Red Sea. He daily met the needs of His people. What had the gods of the heathen ever done for them? There's none like our God, neither is there one of equal power. And do you know that their gods never made it thunder one time? <laughs> Isaiah 45, 18. For thus saith the Lord that created the heavens, God himself that formed the earth and made it, he hath established it. He created it not in vain. He formed it to be inhabited. I am the Lord, and there is none else. Verse 10. Declaring the end from the beginning, and from ancient times the things that are not yet done, saying, My counsel shall stand, and I will do all my pleasure. Number two. God knew everything about His people and would perfectly complete His will in His time. And I say God knows everything about we who are His people. And He will completely perfect His will in His time. God continued declaring His power. He alone knew everything about His people from their infancy until this writing. Those things that He had begun in the past, He would complete in His timing. Genesis 12, 2, I will make of thee a great nation. I will bless thee, and make thy name great, 
thou shalt be a blessing. I will bless them that bless thee, and curse him that curseth thee. And in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. Number two, responses to God. Verse 11, calling a ravenous bird from the east, the man that executeth my counsel from a far country, yea, I have spoken it. I will also bring it to pass. I have purposed it. I will also do it. So letter A is, God told how world leaders obediently respond to his bidding. To his bidding. God makes an amazing reference here. One to a coming world leader mentioned in the previous chapter. He says, like a ravenous bird from the east, Cyrus would come at the request of the Lord and defeat Babylon. The mighty moving of nations against nations would be a reminder of the awesome power of God. Isaiah 44, 28 said, That saith of Cyrus, He is my shepherd, and shall perform all my pleasure, even saying to Jerusalem, Thou shalt be built, and to the temple thy foundation shall be laid. Verse 12, Hearken unto me, ye stout-hearted, that, that are far from righteousness. Letter B, Judah, the nation to whom he was writing the letter, was currently stubborn and far from righteousness. God identified his immediate audience. The people of Judah were at the time of the writing living wicked, idolatrous lives. The good king, Hezekiah, was reigning over Judah at the time, but his people were still very ungodly. They were indeed far from righteousness. Verse 13, I bring near my righteousness. It shall not be far off, and my salvation shall not tarry, and I will place salvation in Zion for Israel my glory. Letter C, God declared his faithfulness to his unfaithful people. He interestingly told his people that in the previous verse were described as being backslidden, that he would still reveal his righteousness to them and deliver them. And the next chapter describes the downfall of Babylon. So this may have a view to that specific event. The salvation of our Lord has found fulfillment in several ways already, like the rebuilding of Jerusalem by the remnant, the death and resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and the eventual rule and reign of Christ as King. Psalm 14, 7, Oh, that the salvation of Israel were come out of Zion, when the Lord bringeth back the captivity of his people. Jacob shall rejoice, and Israel shall be glad. Number four is a message to Babylon. Verse, uh, chapter 47, verse 1. Come down and sit in the dust, O virgin daughter of Babylon. Sit on the ground. There is no throne, O daughter of the Chaldeans, for thou shalt no more be called tender and delicate. So letter A, God here looks to Babylon's defeat. Remember, he's writing this letter to, Israel, to Isaiah to give to Judah, who are standing, waiting for Assyria 
to capture them. Babylon's not even on the picture yet. And now God is looking prophetically on to when Babylon will be the world leader, will have destroyed Assyria, and will have, this, will have taken over uh, Judah. Even though at the time of the writing of Isaiah, Judah had not been conquered by Assyria, let alone Babylon, still God prophesied the downfall of Babylon in no uncertain terms. That great city-state, Babylon, that would become a world-dominating leader would be humbled and defeated. Described as the woman of society, once beautifully adorned, would sit in the dust in the streets. Instead of the fine furniture they had enjoyed, they would be forced to endure the life of the poor that they had mocked before. Psalm 137, verse 8, O daughter of Babylon, who art to be destroyed, happy shall he be that rewardeth thee as thou hast served us. Verse 2, Take the millstones and grind, Uncover thy locks, make bare the leg, uncover the thigh, pass over the rivers. Letter B, Babylon's elite would become servants. Again, with the upper class women of Babylon in view, if you could just imagine, he's picturing these, these women of society, the high class women, who are wearing the most expensive apparel, the most expensive jewelry, Headdressings. He's talking about them here. He said they would be performing the chores of the lowest of servants. They would be grinding grain, slogging through mud and streams like the uncouth lower class. In Nahum 3 and verse 5, Behold, I am against thee, saith the Lord of hosts. I will discover thy skirts upon thy face. I will show the nations thy nakedness, and the kingdoms thy shame. Verse 3. Thy nakedness shall be uncovered, yea, thy shame shall be seen. I will take vengeance, and I will not meet thee as a man. Letter C. Babylon would be shamed and brought to its knees before God. Here he describes the pride of Babylon being stripped away, leaving them in rags and shamed. Once a prosperous party designation, it would lie in ruins. God would bring great destruction because of how they treated his own people. He told them he would not meet thee as a man. Many interpretations I've seen here. But the overall thought is that their enemy would not ultimately be the men of Persia. Their enemy would be not a man, but God himself. In Psalm 94, 1, O Lord God, to whom vengeance belongeth, O God, to whom vengeance belongeth, show thyself, lift up thyself, thou judge of the earth, render a reward to the proud. Verse 4, as for our Redeemer, the Lord of hosts is his name, the Holy One of Israel. Letter D, the Lord would redeem his people again. Behind Babylon's defeat would be Judah's God, Jehovah. He would stand up on Judah's behalf as their Redeemer, 
once again winning them back to himself. He identifies himself as the Lord of hosts, along with the Holy One of Israel. He was stating that no matter what they would go through, he would still be their God and their deliverer. Jeremiah 31, 11, For the Lord hath redeemed Jacob, and ransomed him from the hand of him that was stronger than he. Verse 5, Sit thou silent, and get thee into darkness, O daughter of the Chaldeans, for thou shalt no more be called the Lady of Kingdoms. Letter E, Babylon would no longer be the Lady of Kingdoms. Though Babylon would rise to call itself the Queen of Nations, its title would be stripped as she would eventually be cast out into the dark of the streets and silenced of her proud, prideful boasting. Isaiah 47, 7, And thou hast said, I shall be a lady forever, so that thou didst not lay these things to thy heart, neither didst remember the latter end of it. Verse 6, I was wroth with my people. I have polluted mine inheritance, and given them into thine hand. Thou didst show them no mercy. Upon the ancient hast thou very heavily laid thy yoke. This is interesting. We've talked before how it seems ambiguous for, for God to raise up heathen nations to judge his people and then turn around and judge the heathen nation for doing what he told them to do in the first place. And that same context is being described here. God becomes angry with Babylon for being so cruel to his people. It's almost as if he was saying, Babylon, I wanted you to judge them, but give them a, a, a gentle smacking, and you were too hard on them, so I'm going to completely obliterate you, is kind of the way it sounds. Letter F, God would raise Babylon to judge his people. God described his master plan. He would direct Babylon to chasten his people because of their wickedness. It was God that would deliver Judah over to the Babylonians. He wanted that fact to be very clear. However, here he criti criticized Babylon for being cruel and merciless and how they conquered and deported Judah. Babylon had showed no mercy. And to that, God would bring them payback. Ezekiel 24, 21, Speak unto the house of Israel, thus saith the Lord God. Behold, I will profane my sanctuary, the excellency of your strength, the desire of your eyes, and that which your soul pitieth, and your sons and your daughters, whom ye have left, shall fall by the sword. Let me just make mention of something I found interesting here in previous verse. In verse number 6, he said, I was wroth with my people. But notice he says, I have polluted mine inheritance. I did. God did. Now he used Babylon, but he says, I polluted them. Then he goes on to say, I gave them into your hand. So I was angry with them. I polluted them, and I gave them into your hand. But then he's angry. Why? because they showed them no mercy. And they laid the yoke heavy upon them. 
Verse, verse 7, And thou hast said, I shall be a lady forever. So thou didst not lay these things to thy heart, neither didst remember the latter end of it. Bab letter G, Babylon would be blinded to God's intervention. Babylon would become blinded to their own pride or by their pride. Besides underestimating Persia's strength, they would ignore the knowledge they had of Jehovah's intervention, the victory he would give them over to his people. Daniel 5.20, But when his heart was lifted up and his mind hardened in pride, he was deposed from his kingly throne, and they took his glory from him. Verse 8, Therefore hear now this, thou that art given to pleasures, thou that dwellest carelessly, that sayest in thine heart, I am, and none else beside me. I shall not sit as a widow, neither shall I know the loss of children. Letter H, Babylon had no fear of attack or defeat. They were not afraid of anything. God looked ahead to see Babylon in the zenith of their power. He described them as being licentious and hedonistic. They lived with no worry of attack. They marveled at their own size and scope of dominance over the world. They had no fear of losing either their men and or their leader to invaders. Neither did they worry that their own children would be lost in a war. They were completely secure sitting literally on top of the world. Psalm 10, verse 5, His ways are always grievous. Thy judgments are far above out of his sight. As for all his enemies, he puffeth at them. He saith in his heart, I shall not be moved, for I shall never be in adversity. Verse 9, but these two things shall come to thee in a moment in one day, the loss of children and widowhood. They shall come upon thee in their perfection for the multitude of thy sorceries and for the great abundance of thine enchantments. So, in spite of their boasting, letter I, God would bring destruction down upon Babylon suddenly. God predicted how both the loss of their children and widowhood would come upon them in one day. This would indeed happen when the Medes and the Persians invaded Babylon. The result left Babylon's king, Belshazzar, dead, and many of their sons dead in battle. This is talked about in Daniel 5, verse 30. In that night was Belshazzar, the king of the Chaldeans, slain. And Darius the Mede took the kingdom, being about threescore and two years old. God would also chasten Babylon for its occultic practices. It's interesting that this prophecy was written long before the Persian attack, and yet Babylon seemed to completely disregard it. Verse 10, For thou hast trusted in thy wickedness. Thou hast said, None seeth me. Thy wisdom and thy knowledge, it hath perverted thee. And thou hast said in thine heart, I am and none else beside me. So letter J, Babylon trusted only in themselves. They had grown to believe that they were invincible. 
They were a powerful world leader. Their trust was in that power. The wisdom of their astrologers and their great wealth. And somehow, they acted as if God could not see them. In Psalm 94 and verse 7, Yet they say, The Lord shall not see, neither shall the God of Jacob regard it. Understand, ye brutish among the people, and ye fools, when will ye be wise? He that planted the ear, shall he not hear? He that formed the eye, shall he not see? Verse 11, Therefore shall evil come upon thee. Thou shalt not know from whence it riseth, and mischief shall fall upon thee. Thou shalt not be able to put it off, and desolation shall come upon thee suddenly, which thou shalt not know. Letter K, Babylon would suddenly be destroyed. God delivered his prophecy that Babylon would come upon them suddenly with no warning. They would not at first even know the source of the attack as it would occur so suddenly. In one night, Babylon would face destruction. Psalm 50 and verse 22, Now consider this, ye that forget God, lest I tear you in pieces, and there be none to deliver. Verse 12, Stand now with thine enchantments, and with the multitude of thy sorceries, wherein thou hast labored from thy youth. If so be, thou shalt be able to profit. If so be, thou mayest prevail. Letter L, God challenges Babylon to run to their witchcraft. He gave Babylon a mock challenge to run to their occultic practices, their lucky charms, their amulets, their lucky coins, and use all of your magic spells to try and summon up enough power to succeed against your attackers. And we see in Daniel 2, Daniel 2, 2 then the king commanded to call his magicians the astrologers, the sorcerers, and the Chaldeans, for to show the king his dreams. So they came and stood before the king, because Babylon was big into occult. Verse 13, Thou art wearied in the multitude of thy counselors. Let now the astrologers, the stargazers, the monthly prognosticators stand up and save thee from these things that shall come upon thee. Letter M, God told Babylon to get occultic help. <laughs> get help from the occult. God told the Babylonians that they were growing tired of all the occult leaders. Each offered mystical help, but always at a price. God encouraged them to find their help from their astrologers, the stargazers, the monthly prognosticators. Let them deliver them from the hand of God. Leviticus 19.31, Regard not them that have familiar spirits, neither seek after wizards to be defiled by them. I am the Lord your God. Verse 14, Behold, they shall be as stubble. The fire shall burn them. They shall not deliver themselves from the power of the flame. There shall not be a coal to warm it, nor fire to sit before it. Letter N, their occult leaders would be totally destroyed. These leaders to whom Babylon would run to for help would all be burned to a crisp when the attack happens. So complete would be their destruction 
that there would not even be warm ashes left of their bodies. Ezekiel 15 and verse 7 says, And I will set my face against them. They shall go out from one fire, and another fire shall devour them. And ye shall know that I am the Lord when I set my face against them. And then lastly, verse 15, Thus shall they be unto thee with whom thou hast labored, even thy merchants from thy youth. They shall wander every one to his quarter. None shall save thee. Letter O, the economic world of the occult would be destroyed. The vast amount of influence the occultic leaders would have managed over Babylon's years of prosperity would have been enormous. Coming from all regions, people would come to receive supposed help and be willing to pay for it handsomely. The lucrative business of the occult would be destroyed as Babylon would be destroyed. All who had grown accustomed to business dealings there would also find their trade destroyed. That's 46 and 47. Did you by any chance pick up that God hates idolatry? Did you kind of get the idea that God despises other gods? And he would have no other god before him. What is so amazing is God's prophecy, how he prophesied all of this 150 years before it even happened. It came to pass exactly like he said. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Let's close in prayer. Lord, thank you for giving to us these chapters, chapter 46 and 47. Lord, uh, the people in Judah who lived during this time had no idea how powerful Babylon was going to become. They had no idea that their sons and grandchildren were going to be, their grandchildren, great-grandchildren would be placed under bondage by Babylon. Lord, they had no idea what they were in for. Even when they received these prophecies from you, still they didn't believe. So, Lord, I thank you for your complete control, your sovereignty. And Lord, in the midst of your judgment, I thank you for your mercy. Lord, I thank you for not giving completely up on your people. Lord, continue to go with us, I pray. Lord, help us to gain truths from this message tonight that you've given to us, for we love you in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless.